I wanted to tell you two things that I've been hearing from people in recent coaching conversations and just conversations that I'm having with friends who happen to lead things across the country. Number one, we're lonely. We're lonely right now in the season. We need to reconnect with people. We miss getting together. We miss some of the regular meetings and team meetings in person that we've had. If you're feeling that, it turns out you're very normal. The second thing is the extreme amount of growth. We feel like we are behind. There's so many things from racial racial tensions and upheaval right now in our world to where are we going this fall to personal growth that may have been pushed aside and you had to make sacrifices for this next season. And so if you are feeling like you are behind in some way and need to grow in massive ways this fall and you are feeling lonely, then let me just say you are normal. You are not a freak. You are not the only one. We are all feeling that. And at Stay Forth, we are coming together to create a great option for you, actually several great options for you to jump into cohorts this fall. Combat loneliness by getting together with other leaders in a safe place. And, well, we're going to be learning together about topics we all need to grow in right now. We've got several offerings here in our cohort season. It kicks off the first week of September. So now is the time to register. Registration just went live. You can go on over to the Stay Forth page to take a look at these three. But we have three different options for you. The first one is a healthy leaders cohort. If you want to get healthy, and learn how to stay healthy so you can lead for the long haul. We're going to walk you for six weeks through our tools, and we co-lead this with a male and a female. We have an awesome group of leaders leading that. That's our Healthy Leaders cohort. The second one is on racial reconciliation. I am going to be co-hosting this with one of our teammates, Melinda Joy Mingo. Now, she's an expert on this, has led many teams, businesses, churches, and organizations through this. She actually has a book that we are going to lead people through as well. We're going to create a safe space for dialogue and, and say, how do we actually bring reconciliation as kingdom agents in this world. I am so excited for that one. And the last one is a bivocational cohort. If you are a bivocational kingdom leader of any kind, where your ministry and your business are separated throughout the week, but you want to continue to bring them together, you have unique realities you're processing. That is a 12-week cohort. But all those start September 1st through 3rd. Guys, we have limited slots. These are going to go really quickly. We only have a maximum of 12 slots on each one. So you're going to want to go there and register quickly. These cost a fraction of what one-on-one coaching costs, but they actually bring bring you together with some incredible people, bring you together with tools, and I can't brag on our team enough. Guys, do not miss fall cohort season. Do not continue to lead through this massive growth curve alone. Please, please, please consider joining one of our fall cohorts. Now, back to the podcast. My name is David Bloom. I'm one of the co-hosts here, and I'm with my friend, Alan Briggs. I feel like we could put all of our friends on here. I wish we were all in the same room, and we could each have, you know, 50 highlights each, but we'll narrow it down to another five. I loved our first one, man. I thought you made some great picks. Yeah, we are trying to kind of condense our, our top picks because I don't know if people know out there, but some some things have been going on over the last four months. So you might have missed some of these. You might have been busy with some other things. And so we don't want to move past this season without highlighting some some gold that came out of these episodes, especially things that pertain to the season that we're going through right now. And because um, 
we're not trying to be doom and gloom, but Alan, you and I both agree that if we don't start making healthy changes right now, uh, sustainable changes that get us through this season, that it's no longer a sprint, that it is is fully a marathon at this point, um, that we're going to see a wave of burnout. And that's why uh, we want to tell you about a healthy leader summit that we are putting on at Stay Forth Designs. So block off your calendars October 5th through the 8th, and we'll have more information about that in the middle of the episode the episode. We are so excited about it. We're going to have leaders from the podcast. Uh, new leaders will be introducing to you and all the conversation is going to be surrounded uh, around leadership health and uh, what we love talking about and what we do best at Stay Forth. So we're excited about that and we'll let you know. But um, in the meantime, we're going to jump right into our first clip. So Alan, introduce the first clip for us. All right. My first selection or highlight uh, as it were, is Danielle Strickland. Now, Danielle is an incredible kind of a justice fighter in the world, one who brings truth in ways that are uncomfortable right in front of our faces. She's doing unbelievable things across the world. But what really struck me about this is how she gives us ways to think about continuing to have a tender heart. How do we have a tender heart when we see the deep brokenness of the world up close and up front, we all wrestle with this and struggle with this. And I deeply resonated with her whole podcast episode, but especially with this part of it on how we continue to have a tender heart, even in the midst of these incredibly challenging and even brokenhearted times we live in. I mean, you know, this is a fascinating question because I think it's probably been in me for some time. Um, I've spent 25 years working with women trying to get them out of sexual exploitation and just listening sort of to the horror show of, uh, of the every type of man uh, just really being uh, abusive and harassing. And then, you know, driving home and uh, I have a house full of men. I have three boys, uh, children, and a husband who's just fantastic. And I just, you know, so sort of this like uh, tension between these two narratives of my life have been fascinating uh, for me to grapple with. But really the catalyst for the book happened when I was invited to speak at the Global Leadership Summit, uh, just right after Bill Hybels had been uh, accused of a bunch of harassment and sexually and power abuses and as a male leader. And just kind of in the season of the Me Too height where, you know, we were just watching man after man after man after leader after leader after leader, just kind of like dominoed, uh, not just outside the church, but also inside the church. And so there was this like really tense moment at the Global Leadership Summit asked if I would come speak and address kind of the issue, the elephant in the room, not the details of Bill Hybels, because I, I wasn't privy to that and no one was at the time, but the details of like the message about men and women and how we're going to deal with the season. And so that was really the catalyst. And as I said yes to that, you know, it just it was riddled with controversy and people had a lot of opinions and friends would call me saying, you know, you can't do that. And this is crazy. And you can't speak on a stage. It's built by misogyny, you know? <laughs> and I remember saying, you know, can you point me to another stage? <laughs> but also, um, wow. but also just like, I, I realized if this is such a tense thing just to do a 27 minute talk to leaders about men and women working together in sort of this context, how much pressure is there on this subject all Together, And then as I researched it and tried to figure out what to say, I realized there was so much more that needed to be said uh, that couldn't be said in 27 minutes from a platform. So that's really the catalyst of the book was like, what if we really could talk about this and get to this? And what if we really viewed this not through the lens of fear, but through the lens of opportunity and invitation? What might it change in the world? And it just felt like right time. But in reality, the way that I keep my heart soft is to let it break. 
you know, the, the founder of World Vision, you know, that's his famous quote, isn't it? May my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. And you have sort of these options to kind of wall yourself off and like retain composure or to actually go into uh, brokenness. And we see, you know, even the, the example of one of the greatest leaders who's ever lived, Jesus, who allows his heart to break. You know, he weeps regularly, he rejoices and he mourns and he's like fully emotionally alive. So I feel like a broken heart, it can be a healthy heart. It doesn't have to be uh, without hope in the world. And where I think that gets safe to allow your heart to be broken is, is with God. So to lean into God. So like prayer has always been a feature of my life, like spending time with God, like trying to create and carve out places where I'm with God and I can just have a good cry uh, with God, allow my heart to be broken, let it stimulate me to express myself somehow in the brokenness of humanity. Because one of my concerns is how many leaders get skeptical and even cynical. And I don't hear that in you. I don't hear that when you speak. I don't hear that when you write. And you have this phrase that you seek to be strategically hopeful in this conversation. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, look, I think hope is a currency of change. Uh, it's an eternal currency of change. So that, you know, I used to, uh, we all went through that season in the church where, uh, you know, one thing remains the song by Jeremy Riddle, which I really love. And it's, it, it's love, you know, never gives up, love never fails. But in the scripture passage, he's quoting, of course, it says there's three things that remain and it's, uh, it's faith, hope, and love. And I think that those three things, faith, hope, and love are the currency of eternal change. And hope is kind of central in this. If you can't imagine things changing, if you've lost the ability to think about the possibilities of, of especially in the church of God's kingdom coming, but of a different future, then we've lost all possibilities of change. That's really cynicism is just despair turned inside. So, and again, it's also that question you asked earlier, which is beautiful, where you wall off your heart by cynicism or disengagement. So I think that hope needs to be more than wishful thinking, too. And this is one of the promises we've been assaulted by what I call the Disney myth, you know, of just sort of hope as a magic uh, instead of hope as a constant attitude and action in a direction of a changed future. So I think strategic hope is that, one, being able to imagine the world being different and good and then strategic hope is like the attitudes and actions that will get us towards that future together. Probably never had the temptation to become cynical more uh, than in this season than, than ever in my life. And so I'm, I'm so thankful for Danielle and just her message that she got to share with us. So love it. Um, Alan, uh, second highlight. Who are you highlighting for us this time? All right, my man, Carlos Whitaker. I mean, Carlos is an incredible guy with an incredible story, and you got to go back and listen to this whole episode of the podcast. He's highlighting his book, Interwild, but he shares some incredible things like how he actually got the opportunity to go to the White House and meet Obama and speak in front of some incredibly influential leaders. But really, the part that I loved about this podcast, it mirrors our heart at Stay Forth for the full and abundant life that is available to us. I think many times, again, with that cynical or skeptical um, world, we can slip in many times to, well, this is as good as it's going to get. This world is broken and people are confused and we're divided right now. We're in the middle of a hard season. So, I mean, how good can it really get? And I love that Carlos brings us back to John 10, 10, this verse that we love at Stay Forth. The abundant life is possible to us. 
And he just kind of shatters a lot of paradigms. He's incredibly honest and vulnerable and sort of bears all of his story to us, which I love and I deeply respect. So I hope you enjoy this. And I hope this actually challenges you like it did me, that the full and abundant life is available to us. Check out this clip with Carlos. For far too long, I just feel like um, we have, and Christians, you know, and when I say Christians, obviously this book is very personal, as you said. So I'm, I'm talking about myself. I have lived in the land of sin management, lived in the land of self-help, lived in the land of Barnes and Noble self-help bio, like, man, if I can just kind of roll, roll up my sleeves and, and, and work hard and kind of get past do A plus B, and then I'm going to have C. And, you know, the, the truth is, is that there is truth to that. There, there's truth to being able to, we're very capable, uh, human beings are capable, and we can do things that can make ourselves better. Um, and I think what I finally got to a few years ago was that I realized that the gospel was never about getting better, like just getting better. And that's what I felt like so many sermon series that I was listening to online or so many of my, you know, honestly, a lot of my friends that were, you know, preaching messages, they were messages to help us get better. And I just finally got to the place where I was like, wait a second, like, Scripture doesn't tell me that the goal here as a believer is to get better. What I'm finding is that the goal is to become fully healed, not just better, but like completely transformed, completely healed. And so I started having this like internal dialogue with myself, uh, like, wait a second, like, what is this gospel, this version of the gospel that I've been not only listening to, but teaching myself? Um, And man, you know, this, this book has been my journey of Again, I think leaving the land of getting better and sin management and getting on the boat and and stepping off into this land of complete abundance, full healing, miracle signs and wonders, and all the things that I think I was scared when I was in, on the land of better to to believe because I, w- I was scared if I placed any sort of, of hope in some of these crazy wild things that God says we have available to us that I was going to be disappointed. Well, I'm just I'm just grateful that I I took that that step of faith, stepped onto this new land, and bro, I'm never looking back. Well, you got stories, and and people can't argue with stories, Carlos. You said this, uh, page 17. We know the Bible tells us we get life to the full, but what we really believe is that we'll experience only a little bit of that. And you talk about partial abundance, which of course is not abundance. Well, we say at Stay Forth is the abundant life's not a unicorn. Like, it's not just this legend or this tale that Jesus talked about. Like, it's available to you. So that's what I hear throughout the book. It is available to us. So talk a little bit about that. that. Why do we not believe this abundant life's available to us now? And how does that stand in the way from truly experiencing full, you know, this gusto, this full life that Jesus promised? Yeah, you know, Again, uh, we're, we're, we're sitting here sitting on John 10, 10. And uh, when you read it, you, you don't see him saying, you know, I've come that they may have life and have it to 60%. And, and I, the, the reason why, I'll tell you the, the main reason why I feel like most believers stop at 60%. Most believers stop at better. Most believers stop at, um, at, at just, you know, like we, we, we feel better. So, so God, this, if, this is good. The, the reason why is because 
when when you've experienced like zero, right? So when when you've experienced life to the zero, and and you're like, dear God, please pull me out of this pit of despair, right? Like, just like give me sixty percent through the roof. Give me if I can just get sixty percent. If I can just get better, what ends up happening is once we've been in the pit, when we get to sixty percent, we're like we're so relieved, and the pain is not near as intense that we end up making a deal. We we end up almost. I'm making a deal with God saying, you know what, God, if I can just stay here, I promise if you never let me go back there, if I can just stay here, I, things are going to be great. Like, um, I promise I'll be a good, I'll serve you. I'll, uh, I'll lead people to you. Let me just stay here. And so what ends up happening is 60% is it feels so good when you haven't tasted 60% in so long that we just stop. And I'm here to tell, I'm here to tell everybody that's listening to this podcast that like, the scripture doesn't say life to 60%. It says life to the full, complete abundance. The world is falling apart, that the abundant life is available for us right now, and that we get to press into that and not just kind of, you know, take what we have uh, at face value, but that God is still at work in our lives personally and in the world around us. So I love what Carlos had to say. Super thankful for his time on our podcast. Uh, Alan, your third highlight comes from a series that we did, which I'm so thankful that we did. It kind of was almost impromptu. Uh, God just placed it on your heart. And I think it was exactly, um, you know, what we needed in this season where we had a lot of racial tension and divide and polarization. And so we did this series called Dear White Leaders. And so your next highlight is from that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, after the murder of George Floyd and then people heading out into the streets and just the confusion that we were all feeling about that, the anger that we were feeling about that, knowing that things are not right. What I saw were a lot of leaders and a lot of you podcast listeners uh, leaning in and saying, what do I not know? And so I've been on this journey now for a long time. I actually have two kids adopted from Ethiopia. And so for us, this has been a journey for our family to say, what do I not know? You've heard this phrase, white privilege, um, pushed around, which I know can feel offensive and it certainly feels uncomfortable, but to uncover what are some head starts that I've had uh, in life? What do I not know? What is missing in my purview? Who can I learn from? And so really, this series of six episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. At some point, I believe we'll push back into this and we'll, we'll hit play on the series again and interview more leaders, but this was just a chance for us to learn. Ryan Leak is an incredible guy. He works with uh, some major sports teams, all the way down to business leaders, church leaders. He teaches uh, in various spaces across the country, various churches, just an incredible guy who I've developed a friendship with. And Ryan Leak shares very clearly on how we can empower others who doesn't have a voice and needs to. And so we put a, a couple clips together from his Dear White Leaders interview. But again, I can't encourage you enough. Go back and listen to this whole uh, six series, um, delve into and, and dive into and cannonball into um, this topic that is uncomfortable. And David and I are not only okay with that, we're going to continue to push into some topics that we as kingdom leaders need to be investigating and let me just say, if you're a white leader, please continue to humble yourself. It has been a humbling season for us to realize there are many things we do not know. Let's humble ourselves and continue to listen. And in this episode, I got to humble myself and listen to my friend Ryan Leak talk about how we can greater 
empower more leaders of color. Check this out. I think the biggest hurdle for black leaders is exhaustion of going, I've been trying to tell you this for a long time and there's often not listening. So there can be somewhat of an arrogance of we got this, we'll figure it out. Um, That I think is frustrating for a lot of black leaders. Um, Cynthia Marshall, um, also known as Cynthia Marshall, CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. She she often says this diversity is being invited to the party, but inclusion is being asked to dance. Diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. Here's what that means. There are many black people or people of color that can be hired. They can even be at the table. That's if they get to the table. Good luck getting to the table. But if you make it to the table, that's that's about as far as you can get. But even if they're if they've made it on staff, if they've been at the table, they often aren't given a voice in the organization. But they're invited to every photo shoot. So I think a lot of the conversations that a lot of black leaders are having is, is going, you can't just have us in the meeting for the picture. Wow. Uh, there's, there's gotta be, um, and that doesn't mean you have to do what every black person on your staff says do, but you have to value their perspective as you would your right hand or someone else in the organization that they're listening to. So, so I think there's, there's lots of, uh, conversations around that. Um, I love uh, dissecting business meetings, any, any, any sort of meetings, because it's, it's almost like a social experiment every meeting for me. And I like to observe and to see whose voices are silenced and whose voices are echoed, whose uh, voices are admired and loved, and to see how influence sort of bounces around in a room. And um, I love pausing the meeting in pointing out the person whose voice is valued the least because they're going to have the perspective most likely of the people we're trying to serve. I think that there's some, you know, I think we, we've got to look at our boards and, and, um, and people that are in power in our organizations and just ask ourselves, what do they look like? <laughs> you know, um, Again, I, I think it's one thing to be at the table. I think it's another thing to, to have a voice. And um, and I think looking at who's on our boards, who are our elders, who are our stakeholders, who who are who are the ones that are given the most opportunities, um, you know. And I think we just have to ask ourselves that question a lot. A lot of times, I think we don't we don't know what we don't know. this season has been, um, I'm thankful for kind of the shakeup, uh, the wake up call for us as leaders to, to sit back and listen. So I'm thankful for Ryan and the rest of the leaders who, who have shared on that, that series, Dear White Leaders. And, um, yeah, some of it's uncomfortable, but I think it's exactly what we need in this moment. So super thankful for that. Alan, we, we mentioned at the top of the episode, um, this thing called the Healthy Leaders Summit. You are super stoked about it. And so I'd love to give you a moment to share uh, with our folks uh, about 
about the Healthy Leader Summit that's coming up October 5th through the 8th. You mentioned it, David, but I believe that a wave of burnout is is coming, is actually already on the way. And the more I read about and research burnout, there's some various definitions on this. But what do I mean by that? Overall, it, it is a space where we are unprepared for all of the things that are coming at us. That's really how it starts. So hear this, burnout starts with overwhelm. And we all have some level of overwhelm in our lives. Maybe how do we lead through this time? How do we just experience this and live through it in a healthy way? How is our leadership sustainable years down the line? And we are going to pause in the middle of fall and say, once you've gotten through September, would you please block off October 5th through 8th as a learning space? You've been going, you've been doing a lot, you've been changing probably faster and harder than you think. And so we're going to provide you the opportunity to pause and learn, to just be a human, be a listener, and be a learner for those four days. And during this time, we've actually partnered with Compassion International. They're sponsoring this. They have a huge heart, not only for leaders in third world countries, but for you guys listening who are leaders. They care about the health of your heart, your soul, your team, your church, your organization. So we've partnered up with Compassion International. We brought some of the best practitioners around topics of healthy leadership. What do we mean by that? Anything ranging from your physical health, your team, priorities, decisions, the culture that you've incidentally or accidentally created or very intentionally created at your church. It's never too late to make um, these shifts and these adjustments. And I personally believe, David, that there is hope. So we're not saying that there's no hope. We are saying we need to confront the brutal facts that this is a challenging time. And if we do nothing, we will drift toward more overwhelm and more burnout. But there's great news. We can learn from folks and actually take that information and turn it into transformation. So for those four days, we invite you to invite your team and your networks to be able to share that. You can go to healthyleaderssummit.com. That's healthy leaderssummit.com. You can read more about it. There's a share button there and you can have an early RSVP and you can actually sign up your whole team there. We would love for your whole team to come in. We would love nothing more than to see you gathered together or to see you gathered separately over Zoom, having conversations about what you've learned. We want to give you the tools so that you and your team can live and lead healthy for the long haul. So please, please, please tune in for the Healthy Leaders Summit, October 5th, through eighth. As we head into this next clip, what's interesting, David, is that we imagine John Eldridge, I, I at least have, a guy I've put on a pedestal as kind of this, this leader among men, uh, a guy's guy in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and we sort of think, I would at least, that John is above burnout. But I thought this was a really special episode. He's very honest. And he explains his burnout process and what that was like. And I thought it was really helpful the descriptor of that, what it felt like, how he got there, and then ultimately how God sort of brought him back to life. It's honest. It's raw. It's an incredible episode. If you can go back and listen to the whole thing, great. But behind his burnout and simple ways to refresh, go ahead and listen to these raw, honest, and up-close thoughts from John Eldridge. What are the lies that are underneath burnout and this frenetic pace we're living at? The lies underneath it are the things that compel you. Um, that more is better. That faster means excellence. Um, those two will kill you, by the way. I'm talking from personal experience. 
um, there's a lie that if I slow down, I will be less productive. And and the I- irony is that's not even what the research shows. <laughs> like, like not only is that not true scripturally, right? Like Jesus says, Doesn't come work. away, get a rest, right? Take my yoke upon you. Um, but but even the pause, if you will just learn to implement the pause in your day, uh, the brain research shows you come back with greater clarity, greater focus. Uh, so, you know, I'm doing a lot of interviews these days around this book, and I made the mistake of stacking a bunch up the other day at five in a row, and that was madness, you know, but that was productivity, quote unquote. And and what I, you know, just to take a break, walk outside, pet the dog, look at the sun or the rain or the evening, like you get to be a human being again is one of my big messages. Like you get to be human again. You don't have to be a piece of technology, people. Even the language we use, you're a machine. Yeah. a good thing. Right. Do I really want to compare myself to a machine that can run all the time? Um, we have so much unlearning to do and it, it's, it really feels John, like you've done some unlearning and then processed it for us in this book. That's a gift. How do you know the father closer post burnout than you did pre burnout? Yeah, this stuff is really simple folks. I, I, I do want to say uh, of all the things you can practice, the things that we're talking about, beauty and detachment, like this is almost immediate gratification stuff. This isn't like vitamins that, you know, you don't notice for a few months that it's helping you. Um, Same thing with God. Like, are you kidding me? He's right there. He's right there. And in my previous experience was I, I would give God my attention in the morning very deliberately. I would make room. It was my first thing. And I loved it. But by about 10 a.m., whatever it was that I had gained from that was gone. I'd already spent it. um, And and I get to the end of my day, and I'm like, where have you been? You know, and obviously the question is, where did I go? And so now the, the book comes to a surprising conclusion that what these things will do is this actually heals your soul's union with God. And we haven't made union with God really part of our language uh, in in the modern era. It's it's rich through the scriptures and it's rich through the Christian tradition. But you know, we've talked about having faith or having a relationship or you know, getting time with God. But the human soul is actually porous, and it's designed for union and to be permeated with God. And, and these practices that the reason I went to go do this was I wanted to heal my union with God. Said he's kind of known for being this man's man talking about masculinity, biblical masculinity. And so for him to be open like this and be vulnerable about his, you know, past, uh, you know, kind of taste of burnout in his life is so meaningful, I think, for for any leader that's listening. So I'm super thankful for his heart and his openness. Okay, last highlight for this episode, Alan, who do you got for us? All right, so the last 
highlight that, that I had was William Paul Young. Now, you may not know who that is uh, by his name, but you are familiar with the book and then the movie, The Shack. I had the opportunity to chat with William Paul Young, an incredible story, also another very raw episode. I appreciated his candor, how raw he was, and what I wanted to hear was the story behind The Shack. You probably heard criticism around this. You probably heard thoughts of his theology not being online and those kind of things. So I wanted to get the real story. And what I find is when people are together, our hearts connect and we realize the real story. That was so helpful for me to realize why criticism isn't personal and why pain can actually be a pathway into further growth. He has a lot of pain from his story growing up. This book was not written because he wanted it to be a bestseller. This was ultimately written as a gift to a few close friends and family, and it spun out of control from there, took over the world in many ways. So I think it's a fascinating story. I do believe that in this shakeup, in this season, we need raw honesty. And the last thing is, we're all experiencing criticism right now. So I believe this can actually help you reframe criticism, that it's not about us when somebody criticizes us, and ultimately God may even be using that so we can gain, gain more empathy toward other people in this season, as hard as that is, as much as I and you and everyone else hates criticism. So enjoy this raw, open, and honest look at the life of William Paul Young, the author of The Shack. No, not, not at all. I didn't read the good press. I didn't read the bad press. It was just like, um, okay. And if, if I related to people one-on-one, -on -one, then a lot of times we could work it out. We could, do, we could at least make some some movement but the only time it got hard and it and um um i mean not reading the bad press is extraordinarily helpful because you got nothing to react to right yeah. you have to go look at if you want to get pissed off go looking for something to be pissed off about you know and then, then then you will and if if you don't engage with most of this stuff it's just temporary anyway and a lot of times people out of their own hurt are are stating their own fear. They're not talking about me. They're telling me about themselves and, uh, and where they're stuck and where they're hurt and where they're lost, you know, in their own thinking. Um, the only time it got hard is when, and it's only been Christians who did this, um, but they went after my kids. Hmm. And, and that was hard because I, I think there were people who realized that I didn't care about what they were saying. I mean... I mean, I'd listen to see if maybe they had something to say that was actually helpful or I could give me better language or maybe I was saying something that was a mistake or whatever. So I, I could listen that way. But, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't take it like they, were act they actually knew me and, and were, were making statements about me. But when they went after my kids, man, that was rough because it hurt them. And um, I mean... Some folks withdrew lifelong relationships of their kids from my kids because they didn't want their kids contaminated by my kids. Mm. And, uh, and, and there's been a lot of resolution in most of those since then. But, the, you know, people are people. And, and when they start feeling fearful, they start uh, spewing the poison that is sitting inside their own soul. And if, if, if you don't know that, if you think that their spewing is actually an attack against you, then you will engage. And that's where all the war comes in. That's where all the fighting comes in. The age of outrage. I mean, how much we're living in that, right? Everything's personal. 
Yeah, and and it's a really sad thing. Uh, you know, the what has happened is that, and I love elements of social media and technology and all that. There's a lot of really brilliant stuff that is that has happened as a result of that but it has empowered the darkness of what where people are stuck and because they're already in aloneness it it has been a way for them to have a voice which they need to have but the the voice has been the voice of the darkness or the voice of the putrefaction you know the things that are are not well inside the human soul and so you know, and, and then we gain an identity by it. It gives us a false identity that now we have an identity as a person who who attacks this sort of thing. Or now I'm part of a group identity of people who take a stand for, for this uh, in a vociferous sort of way. And and all we're doing is demeaning the image and likeness of God um, in the other. And it's that's a sad thing. But but I think there's going to I think that's part of the exposure. It's just like saying hmm, you know, we'll have an issue with uh, with whoever the political leader is, you know. I'm Canadian, so I, I have a neutrality position, um, which is it's sort of fun. And uh, yeah, really, really. So, but, but, but I'm like, you think that that person caused this kind of craziness? No, but they definitely were part of exposing it, regardless of, they didn't have any intention to expose it, but but the kind of conflict that erupted as a result is necessary. The unexposed is the unhealed. So, so when things are kind of going nuts, don't think that all is lost. That, that nutsness was there. And if we're going to heal the human soul, the, the brokenness of the human soul has to be exposed. And it usually doesn't come out quiet and nice. It usually comes out just ready to, to, to rip things apart in its own defense. And, it's like, hmm, that's a sad thing. It's a harmful thing. It's a hurtful thing, but it's a necessary thing. And, um, and this is why we can, take, we can take and embrace the life of Jesus who is in us, who can then um, uh, be the object of other people's scorn, not as an identity, but as a place that creates safety. So even, you know, some of the people who have been very uh, vociferous in their attacks against me. They're some of the same people who will call me up when their lives are falling apart and say, can we get together? Can I fly to Portland? Can I, can I come talk to you in the middle of the night? You've been there. You've taken the journey. You're safe. They trust you. Ah, yes. And, and that is a holy thing. You know, the, the book didn't give me identity worth and all those other things, but it did give me an invitation to walk on the holy ground of other people's stories. I'm guessing in this season, you can relate to that criticism. Maybe some of you are experiencing it more now than you ever have. And I hope that all of these highlights, um, what, what they do and the themes that we've been talking about, and even the pain of this season, um, is proof positive that you are not alone as a leader. What you're experiencing in this season um, is being experienced by a lot of leaders, whether you're in a church, you're leading a nonprofit, you're leading in the business world, or you're just leading your family. Um, this is a hard season, but what we hope that comes out of this is that there is beauty in the midst of it, that there is hope that God is still at work in our lives and in our hearts. And he's at work in the world right now. 
And so, yes, we've been talking about the pain and the difficulty and the adaptation of COVID and the season that it's brought. But what I hope that you find from this is that you aren't alone in this journey, in this pain, and that there's deep hope that we can walk through this in health and we can even pursue the abundant life together. And so that's what Alan and I, uh, that's what our heart is. That's what we beat for when it comes to equipping and pouring in and coaching leaders towards health. Uh, And we just pray that this podcast has been just another glimmer of that hope in your life in a, in a pretty dark season. So we, we want to thank you for listening. We're so encouraged by the fact that we have people listening to us. Uh, speaking into a microphone to each other is kind of weird, but knowing that we have um, this community that's being developed on the other side of this is so encouraging. And we're so thankful for all of you that have been tracking along with us. So if you found encouragement with these episodes, we, we encourage you to listen to the whole episodes. Um, And then also encourage you to share it with some leaders that need some hope in this season, uh, in this painful season of criticism and adaptation and grief and loss, uh, because we want to be a space of hope. So thank you for following with us, and we'll see you in the next episode.